You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, what links would you go to for a cheap hotel room? For some people in Japan, the answer is a lot. Every day, millions of viewers tune in to reality courtroom shows to watch people hash out their legal problems in front of a judge. But do these judges actually have any real legal authority, or is it all just a production? There used to be a time, a simpler time, when we used payphones if we were out and needed to make a call. But just like today, the phone scammers were all over it. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, I feel like it doesn't happen as much today, and probably because we just have so many viewing options thanks to streaming. But in the days before Netflix and Hulu, we actually owned the movies that we watched, and we rewatched them a lot. Like, it started out as VHS tapes and then evolved into DVDs. It was Friday night, maybe you'd head over to Blockbuster Video, may she rest in peace, to rent a few movies, or maybe you just rewatched something that you already owned. There are so many movies that I did this with. But how about you? Yeah, today I don't really rewatch anything. I can't even remember the last time I watched a movie for the second time, even ones that I've really liked. I've just never really been like a big rewatcher, but definitely whenever I was a kid, it was different, like you said. Like you owned these movies in your home, so you would just watch them all the time. So uh, I definitely wore out like our Star Wars VHS tapes. I watched those a lot. Uh, one movie that kind of comes to my mind, though, do you remember the movie Homeward Bound about the dogs and the cat? Oh, yeah. But there was like oh, a voice. Man voiceovers for the dogs and cat uh man i watched that movie all the time that was the one like you take the portable you know movie uh, player yep. in the car on vacation and stuff like it was always homeward bound so fantastic ending when the pets all come back over this spoiler alert <laughs> when the pets all come back over the mountain they've returned Spo- <laughs> spoiler alert for a 30 year old movie <laughs> like it's on you if you <laughs> do you know who was one of the voice actors in that uh, for no. chance the dog no i have no idea Michael J. Fox. Oh, okay. Well, you know, and I mean, very emotional. Very emotional ending. I mean, you thought you know Shadow wasn't going to make it, and then he limps over the hill. But this could be a homeward. This could be a homeward bound segment at this point. It could be the pets were lost. I can't stress that enough. The pets were lost, and they found their way home. (laughs) Hence, homeward bound. It's in the title. But Jay, for me, as a child of the 1990s, as you were, I frequently came back to two movies: Dumb and Dumber. Makes sense, right? I mean, some of our listeners would probably suggest we should actually rename the show Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) But the other was, and still is, one of my favorite movies, The Truman Show. We've brought it up before, Jay, but The Truman Show is just such a fascinating, incredible movie. The simple premise is that Truman Burbank, played by Jim Carrey, was adopted by a production company when he was a baby. So he has spent his entire life living in a massive television studio that resembles a quaint little seaside town. The movie tagline was on the air and unaware. His entire life is broadcast on Truman TV. 
a reality show channel in every sense of the word. Well, Jay, up until a few years ago, you could actually live out your own Truman Show, if only for a night, thanks to Japanese businessman Tetsuya Anua. Except with this one, you were very much aware. Jay, the Japanese city of Fukuoka is the nation's sixth largest city, home to around 1.6 million people, with another million plus living just outside the city's border. In a typical year, millions of folks visit Fukuoka on vacation or for their job. So the hotel business is big business. And as perhaps you'd expect, price points for hotel rooms are all over the place. Some rooms go for 40 to 50 bucks per night, while other nicer rooms go for hundreds of dollars. And then there's Anua's family hotel, the business Ryokan Asahi, which as recently as 2019 offered a room for one U.S. dollar per night. But Jay, while the room was cheap, it came with a different kind of price tag. While you stayed there, you were broadcasted live to YouTube on camera the entire time. The business, Ryokan Asahi, as its name would suggest, features mainly a traditional type of Japanese hotel room called a Ryokan. Jay, think budget room with the Ryokan. Okay, futon bed, table, communal bathroom like a college dorm would feature, etc. When Anua took over the family hotel, he noticed that business was pretty slow. So he decided to figure out a way to try and reverse it. So he landed, Jay, on a wild idea. Take one of the rooms, rent it for $1, and turn it into a publicity stunt. Anua told CNN, this is a very old Ryokan, and I was looking into a new business model. Our hotel is on the cheaper side, so we need some added value, something special that everyone would talk about. And talk about it, they did. After booking the room, Jay, guests had to agree to let their room be live-streamed on YouTube. And if you're thinking what I was thinking, you'd actually be wrong. The contract that they had to sign kept things clean. No nudity, sexual activity, or lewd behavior was permitted. And initially, out of the gate, the promotion was popular, with guests booking the room quite frequently and people actually watching them on YouTube. But Jay, as quickly as it appeared, it also seems to have quickly disappeared. The offer is now nowhere to be found, and the YouTube channel, which is extremely boring, by the way, there are still some videos that exist, it's literally just people (laughs) sitting in the rooms talking and then sleeping. Well, it never grew beyond a few thousand subscribers, and it's now non-existent as of this recording. So Jay, how about you? Would you let someone film you all night in a hotel room if you only had to pay a dollar? I mean, you know, it, I'm an incredibly boring person, so if someone wants to sign up for that, I mean, I'll take the trade-off, I guess. Now, there's no official numbers on this, but from what I could find, the average viewer only stayed on for about three minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you know, other people's lives uh, quickly become boring after just a couple minutes. You realize that uh, they're <laughs> basically like just sitting there. So Dave, your record is pretty squeaky clean, past the speeding ticket that you almost got, that you mentioned last week. 
but have you ever had any sort of run in with the legal system? You ever been like called for jury duty or had to like, I mean, maybe you can't talk about it if it's like <laughs> something sensitive, but uh, you know, you ever, you ever been in a courtroom? I actually got called for jury duty, uh, but it fell during my honeymoon. I kind of always wanted jury duty. And that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's like fun. my dream to be called for jury duty. Like yeah, I want see, it so bad. I think, I think you and I think that if we got called for jury duty, it would be for a serial killer. Oh yeah, I've, re- I've for sure, for sure, I've. It would be for someone who just it. didn't pay property taxes, so yeah. it would be really boring. But uh, I, it was during my honeymoon, and so I actually got out of it. I actually got out of jury duty because it was during my honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, I for sure played it up in my mind as being something that it would definitely not be. But at least the idea of jury duty, I really want that. Uh, the same. Yeah, <laughs> like, same. And I, I have, um, I'm not going to say how I know this person because I don't know, know like where this, I don't know where the line is here with this. I but, like where this is But headed. I know a guy <laughs> who got, who was on a jury for like a super high profile case and he's not allowed to talk about it. And so it's like, it intrigues me so much. Like I'm always trying to get him to talk about it. I'm always like, so can you talk about that case yet? Like, I really want to know more about that. And he's like, I'm still not allowed to talk about it. And I'm just like, what do you know? Like that you got like slip me a note or something. He's like, I can't say much about it, but put it this way. Zodiac. <laughs> well, I had like a weird run. We're going to be talking about TV judges today. I don't know if you ever had like Judge Judy on in the background at your house. Did you ever watch any of this type yep. of stuff? Yeah. Yep. My, my mom would always like somehow get the TV on Judge Joe Brown, but then just say, like, well, I don't know how this got on here, but she'd be like really into it. Yeah. It's same for us. Like Judge Judy was on every single night as kind of just background noise. Uh, but we had a really weird experience one time with it whenever I was younger because we had a neighbor move in next door that we didn't really know really well, and uh, they were not there for very long. And then one night, we had Judge Judy on, and we're, I was probably like 12 or 13 or something, and the TV was on, and I kept sitting there thinking, like, this person looks so familiar. Like, I know, I know it almost feels like I know this person. And then, like, my dad walked in and was like, Hey, get get in here and like called everybody. He's like, "Is this our neighbor from next door?" And it was, and she was on Judge Judy. But we were like trying to figure out. We're like, I don't know, like, because she had just moved in, you know. So it's like we didn't know her face super it's well. Incredible. Well, Dave, we're going to dive into the question of whether or not TV judges are really judges, or is this just all a production? And uh, why do people love these shows so much if they end up not having any real legal precedent? So, Dave, reality courtroom shows have become increasingly popular in recent years. Shows like Judge Judy, The People's Court, and Judge Mathis attract millions of viewers every day. These shows feature real people with real disputes, and a judge presides over the case, making a ruling at the end of the show. But do these shows have any legal authority? Are TV judges really judges, or is it all just show business? So first, Dave, let's address the question of whether reality courtroom shows actually have any real legal authority. So the short answer here is not really. These shows do not have any real legal authority in the same way a traditional courtroom does. The decisions made by a judge on these shows are not legally binding, and they cannot be enforced in a court of law. 
But, Dave, the participants on these shows are required to sign a contract stating that they agree to abide by the decision made by the judge on the show and that they will not take their case to a real court. So it's that contract, that's what makes the decision made by the judge legally binding because they're agreeing in advance to abide by the decision, but not the actual authority of the judge. However, it's important to note that these shows can still be beneficial to the participants. The show's producers pay the costs of the dispute resolution process, such as arbitration fees and legal fees. Participants on the show can also receive compensation for their time and expenses, like as in an appearance fee. Additionally, the show's ruling can be used as evidence in a real court case, although it is not legally binding. Oftentimes, the shows even actually pay off the actual decision fees, absolving participants from all financial responsibility. So if you have a weak case, if you can handle being accosted on national television for about half an hour by Judge Judy, it may end up actually being worth your while to handle your business on a show rather than in a small claims court. Now, Dave, I know you're wondering, are TV judges really judges? And the answer is a bit more complicated. The judges on reality courtroom shows are often real judges, lawyers, or retired judges. However, they are not acting in their official capacity as a judge. Instead, they are hired by the show's producers to preside over a case and make a ruling. While these judges may have legal training and experience, they are not bound by the same rules and procedures that apply in a real courtroom. The judges on these shows have much more leeway on how they conduct the proceedings and make their decisions. They are also not bound by the same ethical rules that apply to real judges. So then if all this is true, why do people love these shows so much if they do not have any real legal precedent? One reason is that these shows, well, let's be honest, they're highly entertaining. They feature real people with real disputes, and the drama can be captivating. The judges on these shows have rather like larger-than-life personalities. They're often known for quick wit and sharp tongues. I mean, if we're getting into the question of why people watch programs that they know aren't real as they seem, you have to question a lot more shows past courtroom shows. Another reason why people love these shows is they can be kind of educational. The disputes presented on these shows often are common legal issues that people may face in their own lives, such as landlord-tenant disputes, contract disputes, or small claims court cases. Then additionally, Dave, these shows can be empowering for people who feel like they have been wronged. By appearing on these shows on national television, participants can have their voices heard and their disputes resolved, and it could be a cathartic experience for them, even if the ruling is not technically legally binding. But to me, Dave, you know I've always been interested in this gray area of reality TV and where do we cross over from real human moments to scripted ones, but these shows are just another level of fascinating to me because they depict something one way when it sort of isn't really that at all, but the entertainment value of it, despite this, still drives people to it. So uh, Judge Judy moved from network television to streaming television, okay, so in 2021, after a 25-year run, and at the end of her career on network television, Jay, she was making $47 million a year. She only worked about 52 days a year which means she got paid $900,000 per day to work. <laughs> Whenever she moved to the streaming service, which the, the streaming show is called Judy Justice, the main competition for her streaming show, Judy Justice, is herself 
reruns of Judge Judy on network television. Imagine being in that place in life. <laughs> hey, it pays to be Judy, you know? And finally this week, Jay, uh, a few weeks ago, I did a segment on the 50th anniversary of the cell phone. In discussing the way cell phones have changed the world over the past five decades, we talked a bit about the drop in home phone usage, but we didn't talk about how cell phones more or less completely eliminated another type of phone, the payphone. Jay, when was the last time you used or even saw a payphone? Well, I used one in Europe a few years ago, whenever I took students abroad on a trip, um, and it was just a dinosaur. I mean, it was so old. Uh, I wasn't even sure if it was going to work or not. And it did end up working. But past that, I mean, that was out of necessity. Past that, I have no clue when the last time I would have actually used one is. I, I don't even know the last time I've seen one in the United States. That's the thing, man. I mean, I truly couldn't tell you the last time I used or saw a payphone. But I'll tell you what, how gross are they? I mean, shaking hands with someone is one thing, but using a payphone is like basically taking a drink from a community cup or like someone coughing directly into your mouth. <laughs> uh, but while they are more like finding a four-leaf clover today, payphones used to be everywhere. Street corners, beside businesses, in restaurants, and at rest stops on the highway. And to use a payphone, well, you had to pay. And if you wanted to make a long-distance call, you had to pay, well, more. Today, if you want to call someone across the country, you just take your cell phone out of your pocket and you do it. But with payphones, you had to call collect. And here's the funny thing, Jay. When dialing somebody long-distance, or calling collect, as it was called, the caller didn't pay. Oh, no, no, no. The receiver was the person who paid. And when calling collect until the 1990s when regulators stepped in to break it up, you almost always paid the same company to accept a long-distance call, AT&T. Jay, placing a call went like this. You dial zero to get an actual human being called the operator. You'd tell the operator who you wanted to call, and the operator would call that person on your behalf. The other person would answer, and the operator would say, You've received a long-distance call. Would you like to accept the call and pay the charge? You'd say yes, and voila, the call would go through. But as I mentioned a moment ago, in the 1990s, realizing that AT&T was basically a phone monopoly, regulators stepped in and changed the game. Now they said when you dialed zero, you'd have a choice in what company placed your call instead of defaulting to AT&T. And as you can imagine, most people, not having a list of options in front of them, would simply tell the operator that they didn't care who placed the call. And so because of that, Jay, one of the greatest phone scams in history began. You're going <laughs> to love this. You see, Jay, when people said they didn't care, or really any variation of that, I don't know, it doesn't matter, whatever, anyone's okay, the operator would then use a Dallas-area phone company named, well, all of those things. The phone company KTNT. Kind of shrewd and kind of shady. This company knew, Jay, that most people didn't care. And they purchased every single variation of the phrase, I don't care, as a subsidiary company. <laughs> and so the call, 
usually a $5 charge from AT&T would be charged at around a $7.50 rate and given to KT&T. And believe it or not, Jay, while obviously a scam, KT&T wasn't legally doing anything wrong. Operators were instructed to ask the caller if they would accept the charge from the I don't know company. Very few people even thought about it or said, no, it just didn't make any sense. You'd say, I don't care. And then the operator would say, will you accept the charge from I don't care? And you'd say yes. But legal or not, the ride was profitable, yet not forever for KTNT. While lawmakers couldn't stop them and operators couldn't actively work against them, they were eventually put out completely by the cell phone. In fact, the last active record of KT&T that I could find was from a 2004 complaint with the FCC that said that they, uh, yeah, caused somebody to pay an unauthorized phone charge. Well, you know, here in this country, I mean, if you can find a business to insert yourself in the middle of a transaction, that's that's where the real money is. You don't really have to do anything. You just sort of <laughs> collect the, the middleman fee. Isn't it interesting to think that people do that kind of thing and then they can sleep? <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't bother you. They sleep in their giant houses, beds of money. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, I'm Dave Traub. We'll see you next week. That's <laughs> such a gross noise. What if I just did that? I love how you just, like on camera, just like you just casually use a Gatorade water <laughs> bottle. That's so nasty. <laughs> what's what's nasty about it? It's just water. The no, the noise is nasty. And though it's perfect for like working out though, because you just do one like pump and it just gives you the right amount. It will, it's perfect for working out because you feel cool you doing pump, it. That's basically and you're it. Done. It's like you, you're not going to over. Nah, it's not better you're not than any over other drink water or anything like that. It's just psh, done. Now, I did remember while you were talking, the one time that I specifically remember using a payphone, I was in, I think, seventh grade, and we had had like cross-country practice or something, and I was at the middle school after school. And I feel like I can say this now because the statute of limitations has probably passed on this at this point. I mean, I'm a, I'm a grown man at this point. I can admit that I made a mistake. But some, some of the kids dared me to use the payphone and call 911, <laughs> so, you know, I was trying to look cool and I picked up the payphone and hit 911 and, you know, it started ringing and my heart <laughs> felt like it was going to beat straight through my throat. Like, And I, when the person answered, because they did, because uh, it's 911, I had no clue what to say. I mean, I had no plan. Uh, and so I just froze and then I just hung up. It kept me, there was no way that they would ever find out it was me. You know, like I, it, but then people started saying, like, you know, not dialing 911 is like a crime. Like, you can get, you know, and I get it. Okay. I cost the taxpayers like a couple dollars. Like, just get, I get it. Okay. It was wrong. But I laid awake at night for weeks. I mean, like, I was sitting there thinking, like, they know there's cameras outside of the school. Someone's going to tell. All I'm going to say is our jails are filled with people who called 911 <laughs> as a prank. So you are lucky. <laughs>